Hannah Flint, and you're listening to episode four, episode four of the Pop Cultured Podcast. I think, um, I think I've done four. Um, it's four. It's four. Uh, yeah, there we go. This is my uh, my fourth guest, actually, my fourth episode guest because I've had lots of guests on, but it's just a one-on-one time this time. And uh, the lovely Dominic Buchanan has let me into his house, his lovely apartment in uh, Streatham Hill. Um, hi. Hi. Thank you. I feel honoured. I feel honoured that I'm the, the first guest that's one-on-one. Oh, well, actually, I, I did know, have so my not, mate Corin. Um, first of 2018. First of 2018. I'll take that. You take I'll that. Take that. Um, Dominic is actually we, is another great thing. A tw- someone who I met on Twitter, interacting. Then we realised that we had a friend in common, Leah Hibbert. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dominic is a film and television producer. Um, he worked at Bold Bold Films, but and they did Lilting. Um, they've got Colette coming out, and he also has worked on the amazing TV show Ends of the Fucking World on Netflix. Oh my god, that's amazing! Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, how are you? What's going on? I'm very good, thank you. I um, you've caught me at an interesting moment because the success of the End of the Fucking World has been great. Uh, I guess as much as I can say, we're figuring out if we are doing season two and what that could look like. So it's been great and I can't say much more about it than that. But um Can't you? <laughs> <laughs> but also because I guess I'm newly independent as a producer. I left Bold uh, a few months ago now, so I'm back into the big bad wide world of independent film producing. Or as I like to call it, freelance. Um which I'm doing um welcome to the club. Thank you very much. Um, but that must be, because, I mean, how, that transition of going from being in an actual employment of a company mm-hmm. compared to doing stuff on your own, that must be a big transition, a much change of pace for you. Um, yeah. How has how that changed for you that now you're going at it independently now? It's it's something where, I mean, to go back ever so slightly, I, I was at the company for just over two and a half years. And um, I was running the UK office of, of, of this company. And I think probably about a year and a half ago now, the emotion manifested with me where I really wanted to go back to hands-on producing. And that's what I realised I missed. And um, kind of being back out there now, it feels great. And I've, you know, I've had conversations with filmmakers and it feels right and it feels like I haven't made the wrong decision. But of course, it's quite scary in terms of like, okay, well, how do we convert this to something actionable? How do we, how am I going to make these films? How am I going to make another TV series? So it's, yeah, I'm kind of in flux, I guess. I'm just so, I always, I mean, I suppose the kind of creative side of it, I know it's like what you mean about wanting to be more hands-on. I mean, you were in a position of, you kind of heading it up. So there's more management stuff that yes. you have to do. I think that's what I went like my last job where I was an editor. It felt like I wasn't writing as much as now as a freelancer, which I get to do. I mean, what, what is kind of, I'm just very interested about how a film or a TV show gets made. I mean, what are you kind of doing? Like, how does it work? Like, even just from the kind of idea stage, how do you get something made now, I now, suppose? Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, it's, it, I can answer in two ways, because I think in terms of independent films, it's we're in a very tricky space right now, because the model up until now, uh, and it kind of still is now, is, is based on foreign pre-sales. I'm sure you've heard about this. And the foreign pre-sales market, I mean, it just hardly exists anymore. Mm. You know, and, and if it does exist, it, ex- it exists with films above, let's say, £8 million. Pounds, you know, and, and, and the reason it exists at that level is because then you can have an A-list star. 
and naturally then people will want to pre-buy that film in these different territories. So for producers like myself, you're looking at a much smaller, lower range of budget, let's say, you know, from £500,000 up until about £6 million, for example. And you're looking at a, a space where it's exciting, you've got some emerging voices and existing voices, but maybe you can't necessarily find that finance because you don't have those A-list stars, because, you know, it's very hard to put them in those films, unless, of course, they love it and they're passionate and, you know, you've heard all those stories before. So it, it, it can be tricky, but I think... As you know all too well, you know, you keep hearing this word content now, you know, and, it, and it's, it's kind of superseded the word film or TV. It's, everyone is looking for content. So I think the successes that we've seen recently, a lot of these places, these destinations, these platforms are so hungry for content, quote unquote, that you feel empowered as a filmmaker that as long as you can find the right story that is exciting you and you think can excite other people, you can get it made. But as a producer, it kind of falls into the definition of madness because you're doing the same thing over and over repeatedly, expecting different results, you know, and that's where I, if I explain to people what I do, they're like, oh, I don't understand. <laughs> I think it's interesting what you said about, um, you know, when the big names, obviously, I mean, obviously the last two things you've worked on, you have Colette, which is Kira Knightley. So you yeah. have got that big name, which probably makes it a lot easier to kind of lift off. Most definitely. Um, but then you've also got End of the Fucking World, where actually the main people in there, they're not really recognisable names. Um, so kind of when you're, you know, the casting process of that is a very niche kind of market. Obviously, everyone loves it. And interestingly, I saw someone tweet about, like, this has been on 4OD for absolutely ages, and then suddenly goes on Netflix, and everyone's like, oh, my God, this show is amazing. Yeah. Um, how does, you know, how did you go about kind of casting the lead roles in that when, and also getting that off the ground when, again, it's quite a very niche story? Yeah, for sure. Well, the, the, the with the TV show, funnily enough, so I've had it for just over six years as a project. That's a long time. It's a very long time. And, in fact... It was a film originally. It was meant to be a film. Mm. Um, I met the director um, of the first block of the TV show, Jonathan and Twistle. Um, I know his agent very well and I've seen his short films. And once again, this is just over six years ago. And he pitched it to me. And I thought, okay, as a producer, I know where I could take that. I know where I can get some interest in this. And um, we kind of got commissioned to shoot a proof of concept. Um, which is a kind of similar to what happened with Whiplash, um, which I wasn't involved in, but just in terms of parallels. And it, it, it kind of went through, I won't bore you with the, the, the six-year process, but what I will say is, you know, we made it with Film 4.0, and the reason there's a point .0 is because this is when they were thinking about doing things in a digital space, and that lasted about a year. And they folded back into Film 4, and then we were put into Turnaround, and then the head of Film 4 left. What does turnaround mean? So oh, turnaround is it's, it's when they no longer want to proceed with your project. And they, so they're trying to sell it on? Well, it's not they're trying to sell it on. They give, you, they give it back to you. Oh, okay. But um, it comes attached with the costs of what they'd spent. Plus oh, a okay. premium. So I'm free to take it wherever I want to take it. As long as you pay them back. As long as it gets paid back. That's really interesting. So um, you... you often here you know it's very prohibitive with these larger studio films because those development costs for studio films run into the hundreds of thousands sometimes the millions you know and there's kind of a sweet spot of where a company is is, is acceptable to pay that amount of money for an indie film now we're talking about something that was a TV, that was a, a very small indie film that 
became a TV show. And without getting too complicated, it went into turnaround. The director was doing these general meetings with the TV company, Clark and Well. And at that time, I was busy focused on making my second feature, Lilting. And Jonathan mentioned the end of the fucking world. I think they'd, they'd seen it anyway, ahead of the meeting. And at that time, they thought they wanted to get into the digital space. So they thought, you know, we'd love to team up with you. And um, long story short, in that regard, they quickly realized that wasn't the right thing to do. So they leant back to what they uh, do as a company, which is TV. And they said, have you thought about it as a TV show? And at that time, it's not where the landscape is now, where like TV, it makes sense to explore TV. It makes Mm. sense to convert some stories to TV. I was a film producer back then, and that's what I was fixated on. So to think about, do I want to do a TV show? Mm. Do I want this project to be? It didn't make sense to me. Mm. Um, But because I was focused on lilting, I I thought to myself, I lose nothing by letting them attempt to um, set it up. And they said, you know, we have a great relationship with Channel 4, which is the same company that owns Film 4. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the idea of turnaround, you know, in my head when they said we want to take it to Channel 4, I'm kind of like, yeah, but I just came out of that building with my project <laughs> yeah, to turn around. Yeah, man. So, man, both got four. Yeah, They're exactly. same building, no? I was in Horseferry Road. Um, but lo and behold, they took it in. And, and as a TV company, they had the foresight to understand. So, so did they have to like, so Film 4 put the money in, then did Channel 4 have to like pay Film 4 back? That's what I'm really confused about. (laughs) Yeah, no. So I I, I think I can say this now because it's all fine. So that, you've touched on something, you know, very, very um, apt. It's that if we, if the TV show used anything from the proof of concept that we shot, then Channel 4 would have had to have paid Film 4. Right. So when we were doing episode one of the TV series, we couldn't use anything from the proof of concept so that Channel 4, Film 4 didn't sue Channel 4. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> that is mad. So did you have to use, so you had to create a whole different idea. So any ideas from that you couldn't use again? Yeah. So it, we were fortunate because we had a comic book that we could use the source material. So actually, we it was an option on the comic book as opposed to an option on the pilot proof of concept that we shot, which makes sense in mm-hmm. hindsight. But you are thinking like we shot some amazing things in this proof of concept that no one is ever going to see that we can never use, um, which is kind of frustrating as a producer and a filmmaker. Like, I just I just find it mad that you can be under the same umbrella organization and like if you've got this really good stuff I mean it could use that for series two could I mean are they okay with their relationship now because they've done pretty well like is that literally now in a, a sealed box it's yeah the, that proof of concept is in a sealed box no one else will see it um, some people have can you seen tell us it. what it was or is it still secret no it, it was you know it, I feel bad because the the, the actor that we used who played James is not the same actor right, in the TV yeah. series. So we, we shot it with Craig Roberts, mm. who's a wonderful actor. And, and it's funny, I was talking to someone earlier today about he, he, it was hard because he's so good. And for a period of time, you, we could only associate him with the role of James, Yeah, you know, and him not being on the project for lots of different reasons. None of them to do with, uh, you know, we, there was no beef or anything. He just was too busy. It's Craig mm. Roberts. He's, He's a star in his own right and a, a director in his own right too. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, but where I'm going with this is that it allowed us the opportunity to recast that role and find mm. someone like Alex Lawther, who is incredible and brings yeah. something else to the role, you know. So it, it felt like it would have been a different TV series if it was Craig anyway. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you kind of like hear about, you know, who would have been an original, who shot the pilots, because wasn't it, is it the Mighty Boosh that originally Richard Ayoade um 
play in the in the pilot episode play oh, the character really? that Matt Berry ended up taking over you know the kind of venture traveler yeah. um, it's just amazing how things could be different if they yeah. kept on or even like is it Back to the Future where they yeah. originally shot it with Eric Stoltz exactly. I would love to see that footage <laughs> imagine seeing Eric Stoltz what's the name of the character again Martin McFly Martin McFly exactly oh wow yeah That's... but it's the, I think I don't, I don't think Craig Roberts is upset that he's not in this TV series hey he's got Red Oaks he, well, that's, in fact, that's why he couldn't do ours, because he had yeah. and it was Amazon, and we ended up using, working with Netflix, who co-financed the project. So with that, I mean, obviously that was kind of set up while you were at Bold, now you're independent, would you move forward with that, or, for, like, we were talking about season two, potential mm. there, is that something you would keep going on, or what kind of projects are you looking for now to work for on? sure. Well, actually, um... Just to, to be clear, because I've had it for six years, it predates all of the jobs I've ever oh, had. Oh, God, yeah, two and a half years. So it's like your baby. Yeah, exactly. So when it's I went mine, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> when I went into the job at Bold, I actually was written into my contract I could do this project. Right, so this is kind of like a freelance of kind exactly. of thing. Oh, that's, that's amazing. That's so, really good. You know, going into what could be season two, um, I'm free to, you know, work on it and, and be as close as I want to or distant as I want to, depends on what other opportunities I have. But um, in terms of what I'm looking to do now, so I'm forming my slate, and that's why at the beginning I said it's an interesting time for me because mm. I'm talking to a lot of filmmakers that excite me, that I want to work with. Um, both, I'm trying to find the balance of emerging voices, newer filmmakers, which I actually vowed never to do. And the reason I, I said I wouldn't do this is because I made three feature films with first-time filmmakers, mm. and I did that back-to-back. I made three films in five years. And I, I don't say that arrogantly, but as a, as a producer... Um, it's very hard and I'm not mm. sitting here you know with the tiny violin playing um, it but I suppose compared to like an actor who comes in yeah. goes out then exactly. comes back to the press tour as a producer you're literally there for from the beginning pre-production the production post like edit and all that type of stuff so there's so much for you to do so actually yeah. I mean in the grand scheme of things people are like non-film buffs not that I'm a buff when it comes to production side I, I I know a few things, <laughs> but kind of like, oh, only three films in five years. No, that is a slog. Yeah, exactly. Um, because I'm, a, I'm the type of producer that I am on it from the very early stages all the way through to the end. Um, but to answer your question, what I'm looking for now is actually I'm, I'm, I've been liberated because I'm not at a company that where I'm beholden to someone else's agenda. So what I am actually actively saying right now is I'm only working with filmmakers of colour and female filmmakers of any ethnicity. So mm. it's actually wonderful to, if, you know, an agent Here's gets me in touch. me applauding this. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I can't... Uh, solidarity! <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, it's so uh, freeing to be able to just say that and mean that. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm not doing it for a gimmick because of who I am. I'm doing it because that's what I want to do. And to, 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 it's interesting seeing the responses after I've said that to some people in the industry. What, they got a bit, like, a bit miffed, certain I think it's a range, a... because I think it depends on their role. So, for example, if it's an agent who wants to send me their clients, um, they're naturally going to be like, oh, okay, so it, it makes them immediately look at who they're representing, mm. you know, because if they've got a list of, let's just say, 10, and only one of them is someone of colour mm. or female, then they know that they can only send me one person. You know, and I, I, I'm under no illusion that I'm not the hottest producer right now. So maybe they don't want to send anyone to me anyway. But I think it's more exciting when I'm talking to filmmakers 
of that uh, um, profile and disposition because they're naturally more excited and they want to, or I'd like to think they want to work with me. I think it's so right. And I think it's just, it, it's exactly that sort of attitude that's going to help really change the whole industry because, you know, yeah, but it's rather than just kind of doing this tokenism saying, oh, we'll just have one person in for this, like we'll get this actor, throw mm-hmm. them in. It's actually looking at the all the behind the scenes concept. You know, one, you know, I looked at Star Wars and I was like, hey, great, Star Wars, look how diverse The Last Jedi is. But then look behind the scenes and it's like only white directors, like yeah. barely any people of colour actually doing anything else. Yeah. Um, so I really like admire that for sure. I think there's so many like, so many great talented people of colour, um, women, women of colour that mm-hmm. deserve a step up. So I'm really like interested to see, is there anyone in particular you've got your eye on at the moment? The, I mean, there are several. I, I can't name them because I don't have their projects yet officially. Okay. And it could be embarrassing if I don't get the projects. Okay. Wink one if it's Ava DuVernay. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so lucky if it was Ava DuVernay. I suppose, I mean, you're, you like you're, you, you yourself get my words out you yourself um black man coming through uh, an industry that's very white dominated mm-hmm. what have you kind of you know you've been in this industry for a while what are the things that you've noticed i mean obviously you don't have to do name names um but kind of what are the things that you've come across or things that you've seen changed um obviously yourself you're doing things but you know in a way what are people who don't really have that i suppose that that kind of feeling of that responsibility to help people of else like, yeah. like you said I yeah. mean w- it's interesting would you have done the same thing if you were a white man mm-hmm. and I'm not saying at all that's like we would only help people who look like us but at the yeah. same time it's kind of like you know it just sometimes it needs to be more than just the people of color and the women helping up other people it needs to be the people who are in the top power which is basically yeah no I mean there's so much to say about that I think the, the thing that immediately, immediately came to mind is um, and this has almost got nothing to do with what uh, the point I'm going to make but when you think about the institutions of a Channel 4 or a Film 4 or a BBC or a BFI um, sometimes you know I mean they all now have kind of these diversity and I don't even like using that word really but these diversity departments um, mm. where there's a few members of staff who are tasked with making things more diverse yeah. but you'll often find that they are sometimes the only people of colour in the building yeah you know um but that, that aside, I think my journey is interesting because I think when I came into the industry, I didn't, I wasn't so conscious of um, race affecting me. And I, I don't mean that to be dismissive of race because it's so important. I just mean because of my need to get in and by any means necessary almost, um, I, I, I just kind of had my blinkers on and just charged forth. And did if anything happened to me, in a negative, I didn't put it down to race. But now looking back, I can see so many things that could have been or were, you know, in terms of microaggressions or overtly mm. things. Um, but I think the other thing that, that comes to mind, which is weird as a generational thing, is you know, I've done quite a few panels over the years. Um, I've sat on panels and been that, you know, person of colour talking about whatever the case may be. And um, I remember there was a few years ago a talk at BAFTA that Lenny Henry was at and was one of the lead speakers Mm. and a lot of the sentiment was kind of like you know we've 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 heard this for the past 20 years like you know because this is the truly the generation above maybe two generations above we've heard this so many times we keep hearing this and you're like at first you're like these are old people moaning like 
what what I mean yes credence to it's, it's something that's still going on and you've heard it but where I'm going with this is 10 years later I've been in the industry just over 10 years I'm still hearing the same things again and I think that's insane I've never I ne- that realisation came recently because it feels like there's you know the same issues coming up so there really hasn't been much meaningful change yes I guess that's that's the the, the, the point I think it's interesting I mean um Obviously, I'm looking around your house and I see the Black Panther comic books and yes. especially Black Panther's out this week and what people are saying as this being a movie that's mm-hmm. changing the game, which is really interesting because it seems like everyone's forgotten that Blade happened, yeah, um, uh, which it was interesting. <laughs> I interviewed Mark Miller, comic book writer, who said, um, you know, Blade wasn't made for the amount that these films, current Marvel films are being oh, made, well. but it made, all three of them made a billion pounds at a box office. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, again, it's like, oh, this is a game changer. It's like, wasn't Blade a game changer? What, you know, does this mean that now that we have Black Panther and all the hype, does this mean we're going to get so many more black-led movies? Or, I mean, one thing I find really and frustrating a bit is this kind of white and non-white, as if, like, I love Black Panther, mm-hmm. but, I, you know, I'm mixed race. I'm North African. I'm yeah. Tunisian. So I don't see anyone who looks like me. I think I was, the other day I was like, the closest I have to... Uh, uh, a Marvel hero looks like me is Monet Sankwa, who's a uh, uh, who is a European North, North African okay. X Men character. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's all good saying we've got like this black movie that's mm-hmm. like the one the like one in that first one in what ten to fifteen years. Yeah. But what about everyone else? No, of course. So. Of course. Well, I think I uh, Black Panther. I mean, I'm so I. I I was very fortunate to see it at the premiere last week, which I think yeah. you were at. Too. Oh, you were? We yes. were. We didn't we were, see each we other. We didn't see each other, sadly. I had really good seats. Uh, I don't know what. Seats. I don't know what. I don't know what I did to Disney to treat me. Maybe it's because they didn't invite me to Star Wars. So thanks, uh, Disney. There you go. Well, <laughs> I forgive um, you. <laughs> <laughs> but it felt. It you know, it's such a um, an incredible film. And I'm so happy that it's hitting all these milestones and it's getting the reception. It's getting so far. But I think you're completely right in terms of. It kind of works on a couple of levels because, as you're saying, putting everything on this film, whilst this film doesn't naturally represent a lot of other um, people of colour, is one thing. And I think it's it's sad to think that if this film was to fail, which I don't think it's going to fail, by the way. I think it's like broken several records exactly. and it only just came out yesterday. Yeah, I think they yesterday. did the early previews. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be okay. But if it wasn't... <laughs> I think they're gonna do okay. <laughs> I think their sequel is gonna be greenlit. But um, if it was, if it didn't, if it wasn't tracking well, which is this kind of LA term that they do in Hollywood, they track the numbers further yeah. than you can. And if it wasn't tracking well, then that narrative of you know, oh, it cost too. You know, we might have seen it cost too much. He spent too much that money. Films on it. don't sell. People don't care about them. Yeah, yeah and it's right. it's been proven now. Uh, I think you know this is the third year that people have actually vocalized it that it's the yeah. diversity actually profits. I think it's right. I mean, obviously we're talking about Black Panther and it's amazing. It's broken records for Marvel Cinematic Universe. But um, I think we need to remember that we also had Get Out this year, uh, yeah. last year. God, I can't believe it's still... I keep thinking it's last year. It came out a year ago. I know. And we had Hidden Figures, which mm-hmm. is another one, Girls Trip. So several movies that aren't even within a kind of Disney Marvel universe, yeah. which, to be honest... As what we've seen, even bad films can make money. Hashtag DC. Um, <laughs> so the fact that like this idea, you know, even I just think even if Black Panther wasn't even within the Disney mm-hmm. kind of scope, imagine if it was just like a 
another comic, like a Miller World something yeah. or whatever, I still think it would still do well. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm so happy to see it do so well. It is actually a brilliant film. Um, I actually did a list of like my top, I think there's 18 movies now in MCU. Oh, really? And I loved it, but I was like... 18 films? 18 films, yeah. Because I guess they're on... I don't know what the term is. Stage three, stage four. Fa- what is it? Like phase. Phase, that's phase it. three. Phase three. So they're on phase four phase, now. No, there must be. I feel like three. I feel like this is just starting. I feel like I don't know. Should I? Go I think Infinity Wars is the start of the next phase. So this may. No, be... but no, it's not because Infinity War ends it, doesn't it? Because at the end of Infinity yeah, War, yeah. fingers crossed, Iron Man will die, Captain America will die. Um, <laughs> They'll be retired. Um, they'll be retired. I mean, what we know from the actual Hummer books is that no one dies. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, they get cryogenically frozen. Yeah. Or then we go to a different universe. And it's like, oh, well, hey, hey, Steve. And we also know how important Iron Man is to the whole thing. Oh, God. But you know what? I'm so over. I think I, I, I was talking about this at, at Yahoo Movies the other day about... We can compare what our favourite... We did, like, a list of, like, our favourite Marvel films. And mm-hmm. actually, I really like Thor films. I think, actually, Thor Ragnarok is my favourite Marvel movie. It's actually. so entertaining. It's just everything I want. It's my humour. It's yeah, just, yeah. like, I just think... Just brought a whole new dynamic to yeah. it. Um, and then my second one is Ant-Man. Because oh, really? I... Well, I think it has retained everything that Edgar Wright put in the original draft because yeah. you know he loved he's left the project course. and I love Edgar Wright's the whole pace the kind of mm-hmm. there were so many similarities I saw between that and um, Shaun, um, Shaun of the Dead yeah. you know the kind of fast cuts and yeah, it's, it's really just I just thought it was hilarious um, but then I would probably say that like Black Panther the first Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy were like my joint like third it's really hard when yeah. you I think you're right I think in terms of the recent ones that, 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 that does feel like a very respectable top three because I don't if now with the addition of Black Panther, it's hard to think of some of the other films. Yeah. And in, in comparing them, I I mean, yeah, I couldn't put this up against like the first Captain America. Mm. Black Panther, no. I mean, the first Captain America was really bad. <laughs> I mean, it, it was. It was just all over the place. But then Winter Soldier was pretty good. I really Winter Soldier was pretty good. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Maybe no, it's that's heralded as the best one so far. Yeah, because Civil War was just I, you know what it is. I started reading. What is it? I, 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 my, my Marvel knowledge I, for my sins started from watching the movies. My brother was really into comic books mm-hmm. when he was younger. I was just like, no, I don't read comic books because I'm a girl, and I didn't realize that that was a thing we could move past those gender or gender now dynamics. You've all those and now I have. God, look at me now. Um, when I've seen these films. I love them, but then I read the comic books and I'm like, oh, wow, these are just very... The films are, like, dry in comparison, just kind of the levels of, like... Yeah, some of those comics are much more richer. Just darker as well in tone and, like, the stuff that they go through. I mean, mean, it's it's amazing because you think about Hank Pym and Janet Pym, who Mm -hmm. was Asian in The Ultimates, and I'm slightly disappointed Mm -hmm. that they didn't continue that that with Ant-Man. But Hank Pym was like a domestic abuser. He abused yeah. him, tried to beat up. Yeah, so yeah. can you even imagine that kind of narrative? In, exactly. Whereas I think you would do it in, you could see it more in something like like Logan or like the Fox stuff. I think you'd probably include that because they really, I think with Logan and Deadpool, they really kind of went away from everything that MCU From the family done. brand. From the family yeah. brand. Um, I agree. 
Um, I forgot what the point I was making, so I've gone think... so deep into my Marvel kind of. Well, actually, history. we were talking about the excellence of Black Panther, right? Yeah. But also the to the the inclusion of other people of color, and and I think going back to the initial point, I think you were making in terms of you know other films that should exist now because of Black Panther, but actually they should exist anyway. Yeah, and so there's a thing people have been tweeting recently. They're making a Kitty Pride movie, solo movie. Um, and apparently it's, it's steamrolling forward and I've seen a lot of um, my Twitter followers Storm. saying what about Storm yeah. and it's like true what about Storm but how about like what about Kamala Khan who's in a new Miss Marvel mm-hmm. like she's Pakistani American yeah. where's that film like because there has you know there is levels of kind of like within intersectionality and representation on screen and this is not all taken away from um I mean, not. I still want a Storm film. I want a Kitty Pride mm-hmm. film. I think actually any film that has doesn't have a white male lead in the Marvel universe is actually a progressive thing. I think the idea of us kind of it's difficult within when it comes to like you know female leads because in a way it's like with Doctor Who it's like yeah we got a female lead yeah. but also she's she's white so it's kind of oh we still have this ba- like a barrier mm-hmm. there and it's really hard you can be excited for something but also be quite critical and be say actually you know maybe this could be better i think you're right and and people are finding it very hard to like things and be critical at the same time yeah i mean that's my whole relationship with star wars i love star wars but jesus christ if i have another brunette white girl playing the lead (laughs) i will go mad and i don't think it's going to change now we have the old uh, db weiss and dave benioff oh my god we're gonna get get our first into like galaxy far away rape scene (laughs) I mean, I laugh and I shouldn't laugh because that's a, something you shouldn't laugh at. But I do wonder, do you think, this is really bad because I wouldn't want to take business away from people, although they're very rich. Do you think they'll be the first writers to be fired from a Star Wars? Wait a sec, but didn't, so did Phil Lord and Chris Miller, is that their names, did, didn't they write the... They, they did write it, but the reason I, I think because they're also directors, I say they're filmmakers. Right, Whereas right, these right. are just like specific writers. But are they not directing hired. it? No, they're just oh. writing it. Oh, interesting. Because they don't direct. I mean, you know what? I'm just very concerned that we're going to end up getting Confederate in space. Like, I think a because, lot of people are scared. Um, because the thing about sci-fi has always done well to do with, like the allegory of it. Mm. So they talk about kind of slavery um, and kind of issues, social issues that's going on. And I, I feel like what if they just adapt Confederate to be like yeah. Ewoks are now... The overlords. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I'll accept if Ewoks are overlords. Love the Ewoks. <laughs> Chewy. <It's like> <laughs> the Emperor. No, actually, it's separate from the Skywalker universe, isn't it? Um, but going back to Black Panther. Yes. Because I feel like we should just talk so much about this film. It is honestly brilliant. And I think, you know, you were there at that screening in London when you have a couple of the, like, Daniel Kaluuya, um, Letitia Wright, just the they kind of... They were all there. They were all there. And yeah. it was just such an amazing... See, this is why I like going to the cinema sometimes when you're in a, there's that shared experience mm-hmm. and like, you know, there are moments where people are cheering. There's that line where I don't want to give anything away, but there's a line where they're talking about this thing in a museum and they talk about, oh, you can't take this. It's like, well, actually, yeah. you white colonizers have been taking yeah, everything. Yeah. And there was a massive cheer and everyone just like carrying on. It was like a bit of, you know, when Shuri speaks to, uh, a certain character later on there's a certain word that he call, she calls him I which is one of the best one liners in the whole honestly, film I think everyone's going to call up that now I know it's going to be a new I thing every time uh, we won't give it away because I feel like this is going to come out before the movie well it's out now but I don't want to give any spoilers Yeah. but I think um, I don't know about you 
Um, but I think one of the main things I really enjoyed about it, it really, um, and respect about it, is that it really turned on the head the idea of what a villain is. Um, because obviously we know that Eric Killmonger is the villain. Mm-hmm. But actually, what you learn from the film is it, it's not as clear cut. No, it's not black it's and very, white. It's a grey, very grey area. Yeah. But he exists in a grey area, and actually, yeah. the morality of it, like you said, is not so clear cut. So you want to dislike him as the villain, you want to hate him for trying to. Uh, you know, I have to be careful because we can't spoil the film, mm. but um, destabilizing mm. potentially Wakanda. And you learn these things about him and you're like, oh, wow, maybe he's got a reason to be angry. Yeah. And um, it's quite interesting, actually, the similarities between him as a character and maybe Hela in Thor Ragnarok, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, the two films that are all about kind of royal dynasties in a yeah. way. Um, and I think it's kind of, and the kind of, you know, dynamics within that and actually how, um, and you, you have empathy. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, I don't know how many villains I've had empathy for in the Marvel universe so far. Whereas when this one, I was like, no, I actually really feel for this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's a product of his environment. I think he's a product of where he comes from. Um, and the kind of prejudice that he's been living on uh, had to exist there, but also the prejudice that goes back two or three hundred years that yeah. actually forced this situation to happen. And I think what you've just touched on is something that um, is a direct result of someone like Ryan Coogler yeah. directing this film and being part of the process, because you could argue that could be something that he experienced. I, I, I can't project onto him, but... You know, he, he grew up in Oakland. He did say recently that he could have been shot. He could mm-hmm. have been... He's like, he says, say in an interview saying, I'm just glad I made it to 30. Yeah. I think that's what he was saying. I yeah, think that's yeah. the quote. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right, you know? Exactly. And and it's also, when you talk about um, someone almost being shot, it reminds me of the Kendrick song, Duckworth, I don't know if you remember that one, where he explains how his uh, manager... Uh, was almost killed by his own dad and this is goes back to the idea of the mm. product of your environment you're in these situations you're in yeah. these these areas where you know your life is not necessarily um a promise to you beyond tomorrow mm. you know i mean that's getting very deep and heavy now but. but you know what i think that's another positive of black panther i think it's nuanced it's, it's nuanced and it's more it's more political than any other it's I very would, political than any other i mean i would say winter soldier gets political in the sense of like um the government bureaucracy um and even to an extent civil war it's like yeah. having that kind of but i think this goes into a more socio-political sense in that like um they've really hit upon racial issues mm-hmm. um which i think so i mean you have x-men when they do mutants versus non-mutants and that's kind of an allegory for the real kind of like conflict yeah. at the time but in here it's it's explicit not in a way that's like it would make i don't think i don't think a white person would go in there should feel uncomfortable no. i think they should feel not actually um the same way was when you watch get out you know, you're getting a bit more of an education and understanding. You get a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what's brilliant. And even myself, you know, I'm not black, but I have this, understand this perspective about things I didn't understand. And even just like, but even not even talking about the, the serious stuff, you know, mm. the kind of conflict stuff, more about just another bit where it's, you know, he called, when, when auntie is heard, or I don't know, they said, and, um, yeah. you know, when they're doing the challenge thing and just seeing this beautiful culture and the relationships between people. Yeah. 
I thought it was really... It's the same thing when I'm reading Kamala Khan, actually. I've started reading that, reading that recently, and she's Pakistani-American. And her experience of that, and it's like, I don't have to be um, of that culture to not enjoy something. Exactly. Or feel offended it. Yeah. By, by it, because in a way, I think you're not really understanding other people, and that also swings back to empathy. Mm-hmm. And I think this film is all about that a lot. Yeah. I agree. And I think you're right in, in the, the central themes of the film. The reason it works on, on, on the level that anyone should be able to go and see it and enjoy it is because the, it, the themes, are, they, they transcend, you know, the, 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 the issue of politics and war. And, and should you help another country? Should you help someone else, you know, with the resources that you have? Um, not giving away a central point of the film, but... But I think anyone who knows about um, yeah, the it's an isolationist con- country. Yeah. They have the vibranium. I think everyone knows. If you, I think if you don't know that by now, you have not been paying attention yeah. to Civil War. I mean, to be fair, I'll let you off on that one. But <laughs> pay attention to the Black Panther bits because they were the best bits in Civil exactly. War. Um, yeah, I think also what I really like um, the kind of character characterization of uh, Nakia and Shuri because um, from what I've read before. Um, the kind of Dora Milaje element to it because yeah. actually I really think Ryan really flipped their whole characterization to make them in a way I think it was like oh, how do I describe it I felt like the original characterization of was this kind of very two-dimensional they were jealous they were obsessive yeah um, whereas in this they were nothing like that no, he gave them depth he gave them he gave them agency he also made 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 it so that because actually, when they said like Nakia was a love interest for mm-hmm. T'Challa, I was like, really? Because from what the comics happened in the comics, she was, she was just pining over him the whole time. She yeah. she was you know one of the because Dora Milaje had the ceremonial brides that he he brought back in a kind of they were supposed to be brides in training, weren't they? Yes. But they just became ceremonial. But then she was like really obsessed with him, mm-hmm. and like you know, and there's a whole other storyline which I won't go into. But it was just really good to see her have like you said agency she wasn't one chasing after even Shuri like having this kind of 18 year old black girl be the smartest person in the room every single time I mean I'm just waiting for Infinity War where they're Tony and Bruce Banner are like there's like what are you doing with this (laughs) primitive (laughs) but you know what it's funny because there's that 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 um that PR the picture that's been used um for Infinity War where they're running through that kind of I don't want to call it a jungle, but it looks like, you know, there's lots of greenery and you've got Black Panther, you've got Tony flying. Yeah, you've yeah. You've got the Dora Milaje. Yeah, Akoya. Yeah, it looks, it, it's kind of like, oh, so is this primitive? You're running yeah. through the jungle and that's why you've got the Black Panther people with you? Yeah. I mean, I I'm just, this is a reach. This is not even. It's interesting because even like, you know, that kind of mid credit scene, um, Oh, I had to leave before the last credit scene. I saw the mid-credit scene. I didn't see the the final one at the end. My friend needed to go. She got upset. Oh, yeah. Because to be honest, it did start really late. It's like... It was like 8.30, didn't it? Yeah, it's it's, uh, black people. (laughs) 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 You know, it's... it's The the film's called Black Panther. Um, My friend was running late. And I just said to her, look, if you can't get in, I don't know what to do. Like, you're going to miss out. And uh, she said to me, her friend messaged her and said... Yeah, but black people, <laughs> and and my, my friend is someone of color, so it, it all made sense, and it was true because it started forty five to an yeah, hour. Yeah, they were like, get there for seven. So I was yeah. like, I, I thought we're like, I was saying, I took my friend Corin, 
and um, I was, it was six. I think it was like six forty five. I was like, we probably go. It probably be starting yeah, yeah. soon. My friend was freaking out. She was gonna leave. Another friend was gonna leave me at the cheese. Yeah, and to listen to a terrible DJ for ages. And then that DJs, first DJ wasn't oh, that great. Oh. I feel bad for him. You know what? My current is a music producer and DJ, and he was just like, "Who is this guy?" He was yeah. getting very angry. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think he was just doing like you know typical stop and start business no I think he was he was, he just had to play the soundtrack he had to play no he had to play the more sanitised version but I think also this is the politics of DJ is that he knew Semtex Semtex is coming and he can't upstage Semtex even though Semtex yeah. played for like three minutes no it was longer though it was 15 minutes I was looking I was like looking at my phone I was like excuse me uh, I have a spag balls to cook at home which I did actually it was very tasty it was very tasty I'm glad I'm very happy about that oh well you, you know you're going to make me a fish finger sandwich uh, uh, later um, I reckon we should wrap it up there because I feel like we've had a really good chat it feels like I, but I also feel like we haven't spoken about anything you wanted to talk about you know what we have because um, I mainly wanted to talk about Black Panther okay um and also, I'm just very aware that I don't want to make it too long for our listeners. Um, and also, you said so many interesting stuff about producing, which is actually, I felt more, in, that was for me, that was just so insightful yeah. um, on that level. Um, I so, hope it wasn't too technical and granular. No, that's why I asked the questions, though, because I was like, so tell me what, uh, what's it called, turnaround? <laughs> It's gonna be good now, because then I'll go. I'll go into like a, like a, a work meeting, or I'll use it in a, an article soon. It's like, yeah, it's in turnaround. <laughs> yeah, they, they've been tracking really well. Well, on the uh, I feel pretty. No, they will not be tracking well on I feel pretty. <laughs> I look forward to seeing these articles. Oh god, yeah, we'll see. You can find me on your own movies. But I think yeah, we should tell everyone they should go and see Black Panther if they haven't seen it. Uh, yeah. And go watch it again if you have seen it, which I'm hoping to do soon. Go see Black Panther. Um, any other movies oh go watch End of the Fucking World if you haven't watched Please. it it's on Netflix um, and probably on some illegal stream sites Whoa. <laughs> which we do not condone Whoa. Do, you know, do you know what it's, it's funny because hey um, are you on Pornhub because like the big sick was on Pornhub we haven't been told we're on Pornhub we were on YouTube the first episode was up um, we got <gasps> taken down um, how did you find out my director emailed Netflix and they were like he, was, he said here's the link I mean, they, yeah. they took it down within. You know, I've had hours. to do that once. Yeah. I I was at Wireless and I got a video of um. Uh, you know, at that time when gate crashes like knocked down the door. Yeah, of course. Uh, knocked down the gate, obviously gate crash. Um, and it was right by Lethal Bizzle's thing, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, journalist mode, phone camera up, got a video of it, and I was on seven percent battery actually, and it was when I was working at Metro, so I ended up like. I was like, oh my God, send this to the office before it, <laughs> my phone runs out of battery. Anyway, it went, it, you know, we got it in and then everyone, because I was like, happened just, you know, a coincidence of me being there. And then what I've noticed is that, obviously we use that in the story, but then it popped up on YouTube and then I saw all these other media outlets just embedding these YouTube videos. And I was like, uh, excuse me. Course, yeah. No. So I actually had to do the same where I had to contact yeah, my them. Policy, my IP. Yeah. Mandem on the wall used it and that went viral. And I was just like, excuse me, this is my video. It's got more hits um, than yours. Yeah. You know what's the worst thing? It's probably like the most viewed thing ever and it's just like a video. Like, <laughs> no one's really cares about my deep and meaningful. No, but they will. And, and you'll have a hit that will be, that will be bigger than anything they've ever done. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, this podcast. This podcast. Obviously. Yeah. And you start <laughs> filming it as well. 
I and know you got I should. Two cameras oh, and you got angles. Yeah, but dude, do you think I can handle more than that? I and mean, we had a struggle with this sound. Yeah, but you'll have people because you're going to build an empire, right? So you'll have yeah. an assistant. Yeah. You'll have the camera person. Oh my god! Yeah, this sounds good. Okay. <laughs> let's let's meet back here five years from now. No, one year from now. <laughs> one year from now. That's what's going to be. Oh yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, and you'll have to come back on and we can talk about... I look forward to what's it. What's the next movie? Talk about next one. I'll tell you what, when Black Panther 2 comes out. All right. Actually, let's not do that because no. I feel like let's not only get on just because it's a black film and you're a black... I feel yeah. like any movie... Any film. Any project you have. I mean, now I feel there's a lot of pressure to make a project quickly just so we can talk about it. I mean, come on. Time is of the essence. All right. Work, work, work. I'll make it happen. (laughs) Okay, Dominic, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, guys.